This is Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. Fiction and nonfiction, graphic novels, and more. We're here to help you find something great to read. If you're wanted for murder, the last thing you should do is smoke a joint, eat a taco, and alienate potential alibis. Then again, Ethan isn't a very good murder suspect. Greetings, and welcome to Books and Nachos, the Venganza Media podcast about all things in print. This is Steve, and thanks for downloading our review of Murder and Other Distractions, a novel by Michael Estrin. Before we get to the book itself, I'd like to give you a little bit of background about the author for those unfamiliar with him and his work. Michael grew up in Los Angeles, and after some time away, he returned there, where he now lives with his wife and dog. He could practice law if he chose to, but instead works as a freelance writer and has written for a broad range of publications such as American Way, Nerve, Ask Men, Bitter Lawyer and Penthouse. Murder and Other Distractions represents his first step into a wider world being his debut novel. Murder and Other Distractions was published in September 2012 and is a dark slacker comedy that recounts a week in the life of a man called Ethan. Ethan is a native Angelino, and like most, a frustrated Dodgers fan. For three years, he's worked as a staff writer for The Rubbernecker, a website that doesn't ever put out any real content of its own. And Ethan spends his days trawling the recesses of the internet, scooping up the bits that will generate the most clicks when reshaped into one of those ubiquitous top ten lists. Instead of fulfilling his purpose and exercising his talent as a writer, Ethan has very much settled for the much easier profession of lazily reformulating the car crash bits of the web for today's even lazier web surfer. Ethan's first person narrative reveals that he hasn't just settled for second best in his professional life, his personal situation is also less than it could be. The partner he should be with, the woman who made him a better person and whose real name we never learn, Ethan calls the girl who got away because his refusal to step his game up meant that that's exactly what happened to her. Instead, Ethan is engaged in a sex-only relationship with a fuck buddy he calls Instant Girl, and whilst initial descriptions of this young thing will send the male pulse racing, within a short time, we find out that she's toxic, and only around because anyone else would take more work. Take the other woman in Ethan's life, fuckable co-worker. Her title describes the role she plays well, She probably should be in Ethan's life in a more significant way than being the fantasy that distracts him from how shit his job actually is. But again, that would take greater effort. It's not just his choice in women that's letting Ethan down. His choice in drug dealers is also questionable. I mean, what use is a hash merchant who never has any baggies? Ethan is intelligent and likeable, but just doesn't fit in with the hipster ethos that he's immersed in. He outwardly hates the socially accepted norms his over-philosophising best friends have achieved, but secretly wouldn't mind that life as well. His luck isn't up to much either. He's the subject of a death threat from the object of one of his successful articles, and facing the boot as his company considers downsizing their writing staff. The particular week that we meet Ethan, his mundane existence of coping with the Los Angeles traffic, and finding THE 99 essential YouTube videos, is turned upside down. Shortly after a chance encounter with his ex, the girl that got away, and her unlikable new boyfriend, lesser me, at his favourite taco joint, the two of them turn up dead, and Ethan is fingered as the lead suspect. 
If Ethan isn't very good at life at the moment, then he's even worse at being a murder suspect. Instead of getting a good lawyer and fighting his innocence, he goes further into his slump, getting into needless fights and doing his best to antagonise those who could help him. He's not even good at killing himself when he hits an all-time low. This is where we meet Boyd, by far the standout character of the story. Boyd is the foul-mouthed LAPD cop, keen on promotion, that likes Ethan not as a person but as the culprit and he's determined to get him to confess to the double homicide. Boyd harasses Ethan day and night, breaking into his apartment and stealing his food, physically assaulting him and threatening him with the prospects of buggery in jail all the time. With more in common than just their shared LA heritage and love-hate relationship with the Dodgers, the story turns into a clear two-hander, bringing Ethan and Boyd closer together as we progress through the seven days and get ever nearer to resolving the murder of the girl who got away and lesser me. So what did I think of murder and other distractions? Well, the first thing that struck me was just how short it is. I'm used to my summer reads being around the four or 500 page mark, and maybe it's because I read this as a PDF and not a physical page turner that I hadn't realised that this was only a 200 page book. More of an extended short story than a full novel, really. Having said that, I think brevity worked in favour of this tale, making it punchier and meaning I could get through it in only a couple of hours. Had the book been any longer, I think it might have started to annoy me, but as it was, I enjoyed it, finding it a humorous little read. The book, like a lot of first-time novels, draws heavily on the author's experiences. The story is set in the city he spent most of his life, and he describes it well, bringing it to life for this reviewer who's never been to the City of the Angels. I imagine if you read this having resided for any length in LA, it will add a lot of value. The main character is like Estrin, a writer of content for the internet, and some of Ethan's frustrations are I'm sure shared by the author. Early on in the story, Ethan supposes, anyone can be in the blogosphere, but not everyone can be a writer. And I couldn't help but think about whether Estrin has had this criticism levelled at him in the past or not. There are times in this work where the author pours contempt on the internet generation, and it's obvious that the demise of the print media and evolution of today's blogging and quick-link culture are bees in this guy's bonnet. The author, like the two main characters in the story, is a Dodgers fan, and whilst I'm not a follower of baseball, this aspect is obviously well written, written with the love that only a true fan has. Estrin is educated in the law, and this reveals itself in the form of one of Ethan's best friends, again showing that a first-time author can do worse than stick to what they know. There are some other obvious influences on this work. As I read the book, I was constantly reminded of American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis. In that novel, Ellis uses his character to obsess over the minutiae of his mundane existence, describing everything from clothing down to business cards in fantastic detail, to the point of being boring. Estrin does the same with his main character, obsessing over the joints at which he goes to eat his favourite foods. Estrin also shares an R-rated approach to describing sex and violence with Mr Ellis, and he isn't shy about relaying graphic accounts of these other distractions. Thankfully, these bawdy descriptions of the mechanics of sexual acts, told from the main character's point of view, aren't as liberal as I thought they were going to be two pages into the book. The author is clearly up to date with what's hot and what's not, and there are countless pop culture references that the reader will enjoy spotting. It's particularly clear that Estrin is a big fan of Star Wars, Ghostbusters, and particularly The Big Lebowski. Why particularly the great Coen Brothers film? My second favourite of all time, if you're interested. Well, the story of Ethan's seven-day spiral into being prime suspect for a double homicide is not unlike that of fellow slacker the dude. There's no Chinaman peeing on Ethan's rug, but like the unwelcome adventure thrust upon Jeff Lebowski, 
Estrin's main character is caught up in something way bigger than him that he'd rather not engage in and as a result meets colourful characters along the way. In terms of what really didn't work and what I could have struggled with if the story had outstayed its welcome, well there are more than a few things. Already in this review I've described the author's penchant for identifying characters in Ethan's life by the nicknames he gives them, such as Instant Girl, Lesser Me and The Girl Who Got Away. Whilst this works in the early instances, establishing the distance that Ethan has from the world in which he finds himself, by the time we get to the throwaway characters such as Joke Joke and The Woman Who Hates Me, the whole thing is wearing a bit thin and begins to work somewhat. I wasn't a fan of how the book was laid out. There were multiple needless uses of bullet-pointed and numbered lists at times within the text. There were confusing font size changes and regular italicisation, trying to highlight things that didn't need highlighting for the reader of above average intelligence. One of my pet peeves also featured. Text messages, written such, emoticons and all, they irritate me more in a novel way more than they do in real life. In the work, the author tries to temper the comedy of the situations that Ethan finds himself in with some larger philosophical questions for the modern day reader. And while some of these attempts are ham-handed, I did find the idea of meaning versus matter interesting. It was nice reading this during a two-week vacation to be challenged to ponder whether like Ethan I ignore the things that have most meaning to me in order to concentrate on those things that matter most to me on a day-to-day -day basis. The story was rounded up nicely, if not a tad too quickly for me, and I was left with only one question. In the foreword of the book, the author, as is the tradition, gives thanks to a number of folks who've helped him along the way. And in doing so, he suggests that someone, possibly his wife, talked him out of a really bad ending. And I'm really curious to find out exactly what it was. Summing up, I found Murder and Other Distractions to be an enjoyable short read. It's sort of a farcical neo-noir for the 2000s, and it suggests the possibility of good things to come from this author. It's probably not everyone's cup of tea, and it certainly won't change your world. But it won't take up too much of your time, and for a small amount of change I can think of worse things to put on your Kindle as the summer months draw to a close. So, thanks for joining us. I've enjoyed sharing my thoughts on murder and other distractions, and hope to be back again soon with some more reviews. I hope you keep reading. Thank you for listening to Books and Nachos. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can catch back episodes at our website, booksandnachos.com. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, which can be downloaded at podsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved.